Animation was in a weird transition state going into the 2000s. In 1999 particularly, Disney released Tarzan, marking the beginning of the end of its renaissance, and Pixar released Toy Story 2, which cemented their place as the next animation empire. DreamWorks was also just starting to find their footing with Ants and Prince of Egypt in 1998, but they were still years away from their peak in 2001. Wink, wink. <laughs> we're doing a best animated winner uh, uh, episode. Mark confirmed. Warner Brother Animation, on the other hand, was starting to realize that it just wasn't going to happen. Nobody was able to pull Quest for Camelot out of the stone. So, hmm, this is interesting. Mark wrote this monologue. I think he thinks this movie is about the sword in the stone, and I don't know that it is. But anyway, um, <coughs> Warner Brothers Animation didn't have much faith in the next movie, an adaptation of a 1963 book by a British poet. They didn't even pick the July release date until April and backed out of a proposed Burger King tie-in. It's a shame because the movie they swept under the rug ended up being one of the best animated movies of, de- of the decade, and the director went on to make several other things we'll talk about on this pod. It's Brad Bird's The Iron Giant. Okay, play the theme song. Hold on. Look, A, I'm not going to watch Quest for Camelot, and B, is it not about King Arthur? I don't think it's about the sword and the stone. Well, of course not. But like, it's related. Also, way to read the the monologue before you stumble your way through it. Welcome to downtown Coolsville, population us. This is Best Pictures, the podcast where we pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. I'm Cody Lunsford, and I am joined as always by... I'm Chad Oliver, and I am not a gun. I'm Mark Wellington, and I'm not a gun either. So the way this podcast works is for every year we've been alive, we each pick our favorite movie, and then we talk about the best picture winner of that year. We are starting 1999 off, I mean, completely right with my pick of Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to talk about what we have seen in the Megaplex recently. Mark, you want to start us off? Yeah. Um, I watched a movie... It wasn't my favorite, uh, but it was was the favorite. Uh Um, I would like to thank both of these boys for just giving me (laughs) the movie with the easiest pun in the name. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I liked it. (laughs) Yeah, so I know Mark isn't saying a lot, but the thing is, that's kind of exactly how I feel about it, too, where it's Uh just kind of like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't really have strong feelings one way or another. I I expect... Expected to love it, I think, a bit more, uh-huh. and I just kind of liked it. Like it's, I don't know, it's my favorite movie from this director. Uh, I finally saw The Lobster, and that's right. It's probably pretty close between The Lobster and The Favorite, honestly. But uh, The Favorite just didn't feel too long, like his other two movies do to me. But I don't know. See, The Favorite did kind of feel long to me. Interesting. Um, but I also was watching it like with my fiance's parents, and like. Mm. Uh, well, what do they, well, they, 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 they think they, about it? Well, they, they they didn't like mind it, but they were like, "It's pretty weird." And I was like, "Yeah," mm-hmm. but like I knew it was gonna be. But right. my fiance was just like, um, "Hey, too uh, much mom and dad, sex in that movie for my parents." To, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But my fiance was like, "Hey, mom and dad are gonna come to this movie with us," and I was like, "This movie? This one? <laughs> this like, one? <laughs> should we do something else?" Yeah. But nope. Um, yeah, I just I I. I think I like Killing of a Sacred Deer more. See, that's my least favorite one. I really didn't like that one, but I know I'm in kind of the minority there. You guys know what I heard recently? 
Um, uh, no. Yorgos Lanthimos writes his own scripts in whatever language he's fluent in naturally. Greek. And then puts them through Google Translate. Okay. And then honestly, them, honestly, which, like, honestly, makes sense. <laughs> honestly, makes honestly, a lot makes, of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So it was weird watching the favorite and being like, huh, this is like in the Queen's English, like full sentences. Mm-hmm. Conversation feels natural. Uh, I, I, I just, I think I really appreciate like the, the deep weirdness of the dialogue of Killing of a Sacred Deer. Because it also mixes well with like the deep weirdness of like the plot, right? And mm. I, I I think that's what I mean. All of his movies kind of I mean they very purposely hold you at an arm's length. And I think this time because it was big movie stars that I was seeing and I knew them and I the, the being held at an arm's length felt more obvious to me this time, and I just kind of was like, yeah, it's fine yeah i don't know i don't know interesting i went and saw this movie with laura who for the listeners is my wife who i did not kill um i don't care yeah and uh i could tell she definitely wanted to talk about it more because it wasn't the movie she expected based on the trailers it was like weird and she didn't she was like not prepared for like the the crudeness and like like the c words that people said Mm -hmm. in like this old timey (laughs) like movie um but yeah, kind of like you guys, I just didn't have, I just liked it, but like didn't have too many thoughts about it other than good. Um, Performances for are great. Curious, for the curious, the C word is cunnilingus. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but even though we all are kind of like, yeah, about it, it is part of a new thing that we're trying called the Best Picture Picks, which are movies that we deem worthy in some regard. Um, and you can find a huge list of these mm-hmm. on my letterbox. Um, and it, each year, these are the movies we will be pulling from to talk about on our Pickies episode. Yeah. So um, the worthy. favorite is officially a Best Picky Pick for yeah. 2018. And I th- the reason why I... I can't remember who actually did this, but the reason I was on board for this choice was the acting is truly like very very good that that's what i think is best about this movie um yeah there might be some other things i give it a nod for but we'll see you gotta listen to the episode to find out you gotta listen to that um but you can look at that letterbox list at any point on my letterbox account which is now at it's not time for plugs it's not time for plugs Well, I, you know, I, I'm trying to convince Mark and Chad to clone my list and also mm-hmm. keep it on theirs, but uh, we'll probably. Oh, I'm not on pro, so there. I can't well, clone lists. Oh. Yeah. Mm, Unfortunately. Uh, I would clone it, but then I would have to, like, keep it up to date after I clone so you, it. Because cloning so it means till I'm cloning what it is right now. Right. So you're going to wait till it's done and then clone it. That would be yeah, smart. More or less. Uh, um, okay. So let's talk about another movie that we liked, mm. Chad. Okay. Uh, I went and saw a sequel to a movie. It's been a while. Uh, Mary Poppins Returns. It was. Uh, did you see the original in theaters? I did not. Uh, I, don't know why. I thought that was no, funny. Was, but anyway, go ahead. It was not that funny. <laughs> um, I know in improv you're supposed to do yes and, but shut up and talk about the movie. <laughs> right to say yes to that. Uh, it was good. It was really good, really true to the spirit of the original movie. Emily Blunt is amazing, and I think mm-hmm. she might be the most transformative actress of modern time. Interesting. Just because she can be Mary Poppins, but she can also be the freaking action star from Live, Die, Repeat. 
she can be, you know, whatever she is in a quiet place. Like I will give you, she's the more most transformative without doing like Christian Bale shit. Like she is able to yeah. play a lot of things while looking like a normal human all the time. Right. And I think Claire Foy right now is trying so hard to be the most transformative, but like I see through it in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Emily Blunt's just doing it and she killed it in this movie. Um, the music's all great. The dancing is fun. And uh, boy, it's, it'll, it'll, it'll get you. It'll get you with those tears. Uh, I found it very charming. And the, mm-hmm. the songs have been playing at my house nonstop. Well, they're so good. My fiance loved it. Um, the songs are yeah, so I good. I think the animated sequence, which everybody has talked about, is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love animation. And so to see like them hanging out in an animated world in the very kind of old school Disney way was pretty cool. What's your, uh, um, what's your favorite song? Is it the one in that sequence or mine might be the bath time song? No. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I think that's mine. Um, mm-hmm. Can you imagine that is good? Trip a little light. Fantastic. No, fuck. It's yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it is the one in the animation sequence. The, mm. the, a cover, the cover is not a book. Yeah. The cover is not, cover a, book. Is not a book. Th- that, that song. is it's so the good. Best one. It's a good song. Um, um, Mark thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I really liked it. Uh, you got to remember that in Mary Poppins movies, there aren't plots. They replace plot with songs. Uh, and it's a fair trade. I mean, they're, yeah, like, they're, just, is, they're, they're very like, episodic. A, yeah. There is like a beginning, a middle, and the end. But the middle is just like, then they sing some songs. Uh, <laughs> they they fuck around the and go are... see Meryl Strip, Streep for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Meryl Streep's? Uh, yep. <laughs> I just want to I just want to announce that it is officially canon that now that Mary Poppins has relatives, Mrs. Frizzle is a pop is a poppin. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's Mark's canon. canon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, pop- Poppins is her I, maiden name. Miss Frizzle's married. Right. Yes. Mrs. Poppins dash Frizzle. Mm-hmm. She could be a cousin. Like uh, no. Popsy's last oh, name you know was Poppins. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. She's in the Poppins family though for sure. She's she's a Poppins through and through. Um, what's interesting is I think that she does have extended family in the Magical School Bus universe. Uh, for example, the new Miss Frizzle is like a cousin or something. I haven't seen the new series. It's Kate um, McKinnon. It's, yes, it's Kate McKinnon, but she's somehow related to Miss Frizzle. Uh, yeah. She's not Miss Frizzle? Ms. No. Ms. Of course I'm, not. It is change Ms. the name and not address it. Yeah, she is a Miss Frizzle, Frizzle, but she's, she's not Miss Frizzle. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, that's been that? me talking anyway. about school bus again. <laughs> um, Mary Poppins returns, another best piggies pick. Um, so the what I saw at the Megaplex. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> it's been a minute since we've recorded, so there's a lot of movies we should talk about. As we were doing this segment, I forgot that all three of us have now seen the front mm-hmm. runner. Um, we haven't no, seen the front, the front runner. Chad hasn't, no, seen, the front has runner. seen it, no. but we have all seen the front runner for best picture, which is Roma. Um, but we're not really going to talk oh. about that because I'm sure it'll come up in our uh, awards episode. Um, so will this movie, but I don't know. Let's nerd out about it a bit more so we don't have to do it later. We're going to talk about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, which is a um, movie about um spider okay so i was really bothered by this movie personally i did stop this isn't a good bit i got mad when you did it on letterbox this sucks like pick an animation style guys it's like it's just lazy it's just laziness is what it comes down to oh my god it's the studios there's no clear vision it's just the studios meddling and i it's uh 
Hold and on, can mostly, I no, honestly pick a Spider-Man as well? Like, okay. I don't need Fuck all off. this pig representation. Right, black can and I, white. I don't uh, care. I grew up. There was one Spider-Man, uh-huh. and he was he was it. He was the one Spider-Man, and he was only in one noise. animation style. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, there's like seven Spider-Man, and we all look different. No, there's one, and he's in live action. Sam Raimi. Yep, Sam Raimi is Spider Man. It's the definitive version of Spider Man. Shut the fuck up. Um, I I knew this was gonna take forever, and I just want to tell you guys. So I grabbed my phone because I knew this was gonna take forever, and I was gonna check some texts I got. And the text that I got was from our friend Leela, and the only thing I could see was. Like, you're like a non-toxic, accessible straight man. <laughs> I don't know what she was talking about, because she sent me, our friend Leela sends us nine messages at a time, so there's nine before that. So that was just a fun thing to see. Anyway, um, Spider-Verse, really good. Um, I love Spider-Man. I love comics. I read the entire mm-hmm. Ultimate Universe, which is where Miles Morales shows up. Um, so I was very excited to see a movie with Miles Morales. Um, I also am... I love Spider-Gwen so fucking much. <laughs> and so the fact she was in this movie ruled. Voiced it's just by your girl. Uh, by Hayley one Seinfeld. of my favorite actresses, Haley Seinfeld. Yes, it is a dream. Um, yeah. Also one of my favorite pop stars. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's just... Really? It, I mean, uh, she's she's got she some like, bops. Like two? She's got like... She's got like seven songs total, and they're all pretty decent. Like it's it's not like the plethora of material. It's just like the consistency of the material. Nothing to do with movies. This is a movie podcast. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Come on. I know. Come on. Go back to telling us what Leela texted you. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, Anyway, it. um, It's got Spider Gwen. It's got Spider Gwen. It. This is the like. This felt like reading a comic book. I think mm-hmm. I said this about another movie this year. I think Probably Infinity, Infinity War. War. Yeah, because yeah. it does in a different way. It, like the scope and like the just the the way the characters go together so well in Infinity War and like the different kinds of stories yes. that are going on at the same time feels comic booky. And this it's like obviously the style. Right. Um but also like the storytelling Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. It's, it, it, it does feel very comic booky. Yeah, so when I when I said Infinity War felt like a comic book, I was thinking more of like the comic events, right? Like the yeah. Infinity or it felt Infinity like a big War. crossover. Yeah, it felt like a big crossover. Spider Verse feels like what it reads, uh, what it feels like just to read like a standard Spider Man comic or the Spider Verse yeah. series or something like that. Mm-hmm. It just it it's it's punchy. There's emotional gravitas, but there's jokes and mm-hmm. truly the animation style is brilliant. I've never seen a movie that looks like this um and the fact that they just meld things so together it's so smart about spider-man as a character and as an idea which is amazing to me and it like really like i'm somebody i mean a lot of people are this somebody but like i have always really loved spider-man and this movie really gets to why what makes spider-man spider-man and it's Mm -hmm. Not that he's Peter Parker necessarily, but it's the like his power set's kind of weird and odd, and like he's not the obvious like Superman, but like he is the person who never gives up and just like keeps things light. He keeps things quipping and he keeps fighting, mm-hmm. or she keeps things light, or she thinks, or she keeps things quippy. You know, like yeah. it just you can remix Spider-Man's story, but that is the core of what Spider-Man mm-hmm. is like. He's the and, the everyday 
person, now. right? Or not even person because he got a pig too, or a pig. Uh, yeah, it's just someone who never gives up, who yeah. has had lots, of, and they even talk about it at one point where all of them had lost somebody, and that is a big part of the story too. Is like mm-hmm. there's loss, and they feel like just a huge sense of responsibility and i don't know it's just if you're not a big spider-man nerd there's still plenty to love but if you are god the references and the like little things Mm. they drop in are incredible they make references to other spider-man movies the voice cast is maybe one of the best voice casts of all time other than the movie we're talking about today um like and everyone's cast so well there's surprises I just, I don't know, y'all. It's, you, it's, uh, it's amazing. You liked the post credit scene way more than me, I think. That's because I... Spoilers, 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 spoilers. I read the Spider-Man 2099 comics. So I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, that's I my mean, boy. I know who he is, but like, I just didn't... I hadn't read any of the comics. I just sort of have an understanding of who he is. Yeah, so uh, that's I, I why. Enjoyed, and and they I, didn't really do anything with it. It was just a reference to a meme. No, yeah, but they but did. It was a they set up a the fact that he funny. built the transporter, which allows them to transport to the other dimensions. That sets up the sequel. And that also happens okay. in the Spider-Verse comics, is they just were all drawn yeah. in at one point, and then they build the transporters, and mm-hmm. now they can cross dimensions easier, which is what I've they seen, set up with Gwen. I've seen, seen the end animated series well it's a a little little different but yeah yeah yeah. but But i i i I liked it the fact that they set up like hey a second Mm -hmm. one is coming you know they're we're going to be able to see our friends hang out again they also do the spider gwen miles romance which has been sort of brewing in the main universe um but they can't really figure it out necessarily because now miles also sort of has a thing for miss marvel i don't know we'll figure it out eventually um, I just wanna I just wanna shout out AMC A list for not only yeah. giving me free movies, but they can be IMAX or 3D or both. Uh, both times I saw this movie, it was in 3D, and I probably oh. should see it in like the you know boring 2D. But it's it's honestly some of the best 3D I've ever seen. Wow. Shoot, you you just reminded me that I saw Aquaman in 3D IMAX and uh, Jesus Christ, it was incredible. <laughs> I o- the experience, not the movie. The movie I think was I only horrible. Saw it in 2D IMAX, but it was incredible. I well, the so let's start 2019. Well, I I liked the movie. It was okay. <laughs> it was it had some serious script issues. Oh it's, well, yeah. It, let's not talk about it because it, it sucks. Fun. And the 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 <laughs> wave of people on the internet being like, it's actually pretty good. It, I don't understand it. I don't I, even want to. Though just, I know, Mark. I it's, know. It's just I'm not Wonder gonna. Woman again. I'm not it's gonna be people... like it's the best movie ever made. But like I, I think if you can accept the fact that it's a DC movie and therefore its script sucks, yeah. then you can be like, all right, this movie's not bad. Yeah. I mean, it. Mm-hmm. I didn't. If it had been. Truly, if it had been 20 minutes shorter, I would have found it. Like, the fact that it was that long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, now let's talk about a tight 90 movie. Well, I haven't wrapped up I haven't wrapped up my Spider-Verse because you <laughs> guys. Christ. Well, so. Put a web on it. One last thing, because Margaret brought up AMCA list, we need to start 2019 off right and reminding people, fuck MoviePass, because I keep getting emails from them where they're like, our deal's yeah. good this time, I promise. And no, eat it's not. your MoviePass. Eat it. <laughs> yeah, eat your <laughs> like, MoviePass. Cook it and eat it and film it. Yes. Um, 
and the other thing that I want to say about Spider-Verse is we end up plugging them every episode, so we'll just start at the top. I just listened to our sister podcast, um, Purely Nostalgia's episode on Spider-Verse, and they record, no joke, 40 minutes of it while sitting at a Crystal's as music is playing <laughs> in the background. So I don't know. It's, it's truly exceptional podcast. I, uh, I haven't listened to that episode yet. I need to listen to it. It sounds incredible. It's, it's very good. They go more in depth to it, so check it out. So, Spider Verse is another best picky picks. Let's hop into the Cody pick of 1999 and talk about the Iron Giant. And boys, have you ever seen this movie before? Uh, I had seen it when I was a kid, um, but it had been probably 20 years or. 15 years since I'd seen it. I don't know. Um, it's been a... That's ridiculous. <laughs> it makes me mad. Mark, when did you see... Like, I mean, have you seen this movie I before? I clearly saw it as a kid. Somehow everyone did. And I... For a movie that made as little money as this did, somehow everyone has seen this movie. Well, um, I saw it on VHS I, or DVD. I didn't see that, it in theaters. Yeah, well, same. I was yeah. four. Same. So that, um, there yeah. you go. But... I saw it again, like, a couple years ago, like, maybe four or five years ago. And you didn't, like, I feel like I watched it six months ago. Um, I mean, actually, I know that yeah, I did. I, I think you did. <laughs> um, but I love this movie. I have loved it since I was a kid. And I also, we owned it on DVD. And I don't know why. Like, I think my parents just were like, oh, here's a kid movie. Let's buy it. And then they ended up loving it, too. But it's just kind of wild that we owned it. Thinking of all the DVDs we owned at my house, it, it's kind of a weird. I mean, well, it's a, we talk about this a, a lot. Weird, there, all of us have weird, yeah. like, movies that we had as this kids. is just a weird movie in general though a perfect uh film some, some would say some, some would circles. say i like this movie a lot i think it's great i think it's awesome but like and I, when i say weird i don't mean weird in the bad way i just mean like yeah i saw it as a kid and it resonated with me on a level on a kid level back then and th that was the only real attachment i had to it was just the it was pretty animation and there was this cool you know kid I was like, yeah. I want to be the kid. I want to be like that kid as a kid. That was pretty much my only attachment to it. Seeing it now, I there's some things in this movie that like are kind of mind-boggling that they made it into the movie. And Yes, but I love it. Yeah, um, like not, not, I'm not saying like, that in a bad way. I'm saying that in a very right, right, good right. way. Like It's not a standard kid movie. Like no, for example, and that's Brad Bird. One character shows his dick to an entire restaurant. Yep, but he, he apologizes first. He, he, he does apologize first. first. He asks first. Yeah. And then it's okay. Um, I, 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 I just want to set up, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say I think this is a perfect film. Like, it, I know I had a whole thing where I talked about Truman Show and how much I loved it and stuff like that. And all of that was true. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think this is my favorite movie. I I always go back and forth because I'm like, well, Lion King, Lion King, Lion King, and I do love Lion King, but I like I watched this movie six months ago, right? I rewatch it this time, and I'm still sobbing at the end of it, like not exaggerating, sobbing at the end of it. Mm. Um, it just emotionally gets me. I think it's 
perfectly like scripted. I think it's very tight. I think it moves and I think it moves in a very good way and it's a, a very good length, which I <laughs> appreciate. I think it's gorgeous. That's, that's, I all, that's think all it, it is. Makes... It's just the length for you. That's all it comes down to. <laughs> no, it's that's not all it is. Because like, if I'm honest, my issue with the movie is that it's not long enough. No, it's perfect. No, it's I, too... I don't think there needs to be any more to it. I think it, it covers everything that it wants to cover. I want more time with uh, the giant and, and Hogarth starting to like build trust and like become friends. I want more, I oh, want see, more I, time I, there. I, I love it, plenty. but I want more. I, I mean, a movie that leaves you wanting more, that's not the worst thing you can have. But like, yes, exactly. I do think the movie could benefit from having a little more. I also like I I think it may be one of the best voice acted movies ever. Um I think Brad Bird always has very good voice acted movies like both of the Incredibles are exceptional mm-hmm. at it and I'm sure we'll talk about at least one of those in the future. Um Ratatouille is also very well voice acted. Um but God, like so the 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 person who played Hogarth um actually won the Annie for this year for best mm-hmm. voice acting um in any animated movie. But if he hadn't, I would have been like, well, Vin Diesel probably should have. And if he hadn't, I would have been like, well, Jennifer Aniston probably should have. And if she hadn't, I would have been like, well, Harry Connick Jr. probably should have. Like, or the person who plays Mansley. Like, I really think they're all so good. Like, I think this may be Jennifer Aniston's best performance. Um, I mean, potentially. Definitely better than anything she did on Friends. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's one of Vin Diesel's best performance. Like this is the setup of him being very good as Groot because he's it's got a limited. very similar. He is role. so good at simple words, but conveying a lot of emotion mm. through those. The less like, Vin Diesel shit. says, the better. Honestly, <laughs> he's also the best picky alumni, uh, mm-hmm. because he popped up in Saving Private Ryan. Um, so let's let, let's talk about it. Um, let's do more than just me saying how much I love it. Um, let's hop into the plot. So Hogarth Hughes. First off, stop. Great name. It's a great name. I love it. That's um, an unfortunate name. What does the guy say? I forget what he said. It's uh, he said something about the kid's name when he was driving away from the car, and I was gonna try to reference it, but I forgot every single word he said. Yeah, I can't remember, yeah. but. It so so this movie takes place in the fifties, which I think sort of adds to my enjoyment of it because it's just a very it's not like I'm obsessed with the fifties, but it's just a very like it's a very good time period. It's like it is. It's it's just kind of quaint. Yes, and it's very specific, and it's a very small town, and it's Mm -hmm. very like it just is pitch perfect what it is. And this is where so Brad Bird and Tim Burton like kind of came up at the same time they were both animators at disney and they have very similar influences if you watch early tim burton stuff he is so influenced by the 50s tv Mm -hmm. and stuff that he was watching the difference is it seems like brad bird was watching like what everyone was watching in the 50s but knew how to elevate it whereas like tim burton was watching monster movies and like creepy like vincent price stuff but that being said, Brad Bird obviously clearly was watching cheap like B horror movies too because that's where a lot of the Iron Giant imagery mm-hmm. pulls from is 
50s sci-fi movies, which is another yeah, reason the, why I think the setting is so brilliant. The design of the giant himself feels very much like what the f- people of the 50s imagined the future would look like, more so yeah. than what people in 1999 imagined the future would look like. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, <laughs> man, I'm going to I'm going to try not to be an insufferable annoying person this whole time but i love this too much and i love brad bird too much brad bird is always fascinated by this retro futurism yeah like he clearly like grew up going to disneyland and to tomorrowland and yeah it looks very um, tomorrowland the design of it's the very Iron tomorrowland Giant. and like the incredibles is very like 50s 60s much, yeah. like retro futurism i mean i he can't decide early may tomorrowland i can't decide when i think the incredibles takes place because like, well, it's like it's, it's, it's like 50, intentionally 60s. ambiguous yeah. but all of it's like i mean it, it there are computers so it isn't yeah. like the today's 60s but like right it's uh, retro futurism yeah. like it, yeah. which is it's, which is cool it's, it's so rad like I love all it. of like the the costuming and the architecture and everything is very 60s mm-hmm yeah, th- there's something in Incredibles 2 that kind of confirms the day i don't remember what it is i think Newspaper it's something they're watching something. on tv yeah. um but anyway I also am somebody who likes Tomorrowland more than most the, people. The movie Tomorrowland, um, or yeah. yeah, everybody loves the park. Right, right, right. Um, the movie is is pretty good. Like it just it made it's no money. Insane, and I think that's what drove a lot of people away from it. But I kind of like it. Um, it's I don't a, think Brad Bird has made a bad movie. I think he just has made some that I, aren't as good as his other ones, and it's literally just that one. And the other ones are masterpieces. I love I think the. That, uh, the absurd violence in Tomorrowland, like the violence when against Catherine Hahn uh, and uh, Keegan Michael Key fight a little girl. Yeah, yeah love it. <laughs> so good. I don't love Tomorrowland, but it's all right, and, and it's just a little slow and a, a little bit too much yeah, exposition. Definitely I don't love um, it, love it. I just think it's like it shouldn't have lost the money it lost. Basically, it should have done. Well, fine. yeah. Well, neither should have should this. Yeah, true. That that is almost that's one of my ugh, most frustrating thing with people who are who get mad at Disney where they're like, well, they're just doing the remakes. But anytime Disney does like an original property like Tomorrowland or John Carter or anything like that, people are like, fuck no, I don't want to see that shit. John Carter like, wasn't an original property, a. No, Mark, sh- shut. I mean, don't shut up. But you know what I mean. Disney has never been uh, like literally their first movie is an adaptation of a fairy tale thing they have always been that so people acting like it's new that's insane but yes i mean like original to screen um because john carter is based on a book that hadn't been a movie before or you know that sort of thing but yes you're right technically anyway um also tomorrowland is tomorrowland is based on a theme park um right exactly so what's hogarth doing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Hogarth, uh, he goes to investigate a noise in the woods and discovers the Iron Giant who had fallen from space. Hogarth witnesses the giant attempt to eat a transformer, not Bumblebee or Optimus Prime, just an <laughs> just electrical, like a, electrical thing. Right. Yeah. Hey, by the way, quick plug: everybody go see Bumblebee. So um, are we just uh, skipping right over the squirrel in the pants and all that stuff. Well, there's truly so many little bits, mm. but yes, if you want to, yeah. I was going mean, to talk about it, uh, Dean later, uh, but well, it, it's, we, we can talk it sets about it. Up, talk about it the sets up Dean. Uh, he basically, uh, Hogarth finds a squirrel. It's when we first see him and he like, 
He's bringing it to the diner where his mom works to ask if he can keep the squirrel. And then the squirrel gets on the loose, climbs up uh, Dean's pants. Um, but yeah, just introduces the idea that Hogarth like has a fascination with like helping helpless creatures and, uh, uh, which, you know, plays into his relationship to the giant and, um, sets up Dean as a guy who's going to help out the, the little guy and the, the kooks, uh, as right. he says, Dean literally if, says, if we don't stick up for the kooks, who will? Mm. And like, so it sets him up as him and Hogarth kind of have like a friendship. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're wondering what Dean looks like, he looks like if, uh, Jeff Goldblum and Tody Reidinger mixed. Yep. It's kind of his vibe. It, it looks like they wanted Jeff Goldblum to play. It really I does. honestly always forget that Jeff Goldblum does not play him. <laughs> like it's Harry Connick Jr. Who is good. But I just know Henry Connick Jr. as like the crooner, and like Dean is not a crooner. I know he him from his daytime talk mate. show. Really? I mean, that's not where I primarily know him from. Okay, weird. Um, so Hogarth and the Giant become fast friends. Um, then while hanging out, the Giant eats railroad tracks, but Hogarth tells the Giant to fix them because a train is a coming. The Giant takes too long fixing it and gets hit by the train. The Giant self-repairs. Like, this is a fun early, like, pretty, like, heart-pounding sequence mm. where you're like, oh, my God, the Giant's about to get hit by a train. And then he just he, does. He, he does. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's being so careful with the train. <laughs> I love <Yeah>. that sequence. <laughs> well, and it also sets up how, like, the Giant's just, he's he's lovable. He, like is trying to help most of the He time. also, like, doesn't understand the fact that, like, people will die if, like, he's, he's pretty naive. Like, Hogarth tells yes. him to fix the train tracks, so he does, but he's too meticulous about it and ends up ruining the train anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So Hogarth teaches the giant about many things, including the idea of heroes and villains by using Superman as an example. Who yeah. does he use as the like villain example? Um, it was it's some it's robot, some big robot, Crone, yeah, something. I don't know. Deathstro, maybe. No, it was like someone that. I had never heard anyway. of. It was like a C lister or something. I right. Know. I assumed um, it was made so up. Could have been made up. He, I don't think it was, but um, but it looks like the so, Iron Giant. <laughs> Yeah, it did. It it looks like a big robot. Mm -hmm. So uh, the giant also learns about death after they witness a deer getting shot in the woods. This is where the emotional through line really starts to come through of like, you know, the giant doesn't want to be a gun, Mm -hmm. even though he's kind of a giant weapon. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want things to die. He learns about the concept of death. Mm -hmm. Um, Really deep, heady stuff for what people would assume as a kid's movie. Yeah, children's movie, like grappling with like, concepts of mortality like this quick into the movie like we're probably not even halfway into the movie and he's like telling the iron giant like killing is bad but death isn't bad death happens to everybody and uh right but but again i think this is something that people who are dismissive of animation forget that like there are like Bambi wrestles with this issue. Lion mm. King, like they're all kind yeah. of tackling these big things and doing them in kind of like really good and interesting mm-hmm. ways. Anyway, it's truly I weird that this movie animation. is in the same universe as Bambi. Um, the deer that dies is Bambi's <laughs> mom, uh, just yeah. unaddressed. Um, no, but like because like Hogarth has to explain he to the giant. He was like, people die, but souls don't die. And then the giant right. was like, souls don't die. And then I was on He's my like, couch and I was like, 
souls don't die. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you can see the giant kind of wrestling with the fact of like, do I have a soul? (laughs) Yeah. Like, because he is a rope. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Like, it's just a lie. And like, I'm already like, my eyes are like moistening up like during this time. And like, Mm. I don't know. Um, God, it's so good. So the weird occurrences revolving around the giant leads a real jerk of a government official, Mansley, to come investigate. He looks like your standard like government. Yeah, he's like in a suit and he's got like a he's got a big long chin. Yes, very angular. Um, So he puts together that Hogarth knows something because he finds Hogarth's gun that the giant had eaten. Um, It says hog hug. So. Hog, Do it what? says hog hug. Hog, hog hug. or something. Hog hug. Hog hug. Hog hug. Um, so um, he ends up staying in the Hughes' guest room um, because they were like running out of room because they don't have a lot of money. His mom's a waitress, etc. Um, so Mansley's like all up in his shit. Mansley almost catches the giant's hand at Hogarth's house when he first shows up in a, like one of my favorite sequences of the movie, it's, if the entire movie wasn't my favorite it's sequence. It's very fun. It's, uh, it's fun. It's fun charming and yeah it's just the classic like these people can't know about this thing and i've gotta like try to act normal but i'm acting so weird because i'm trying to keep this thing a secret it's great and like like what's great about it is like he's hiding the hand from his mom and then as he gets to the door to let the hand out uh what's his face shows up and it it just starts all over it's, it's very much the trying to hide E.T. thing. And yeah. this movie does have a lot of similarities to E.T. It's not beat for beat E.T., um, but it, it has a lot of similarities, which explains why I love them both. But I, I think this is a better E.T., honestly. Um, so Hogarth then uh, decides to keep the giant in the metal junkyard um, where Dean, Dean owns this junkyard and he does, like, metal art there. So, like... The giant gets a bunch of snacks. He can hide out there, you know, that sort of thing. They also all go swimming at one point, and that's also a fun scene. Um, um, the giant also learns the difference between art and scrap metal there, which right. is, he which can is eat always scraps, fun. But he can't eat yeah. art, even though they kind of <laughs> look the same. And then they go swimming, and the giant gets all rusty and sinks, and that's the end of the movie. Nope, doesn't happen. <laughs> He's got special metal. Watched a different space metal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Mansley finds photo evidence of Hogarth hanging out with the giant, so he's able to call the full force of the military who show up. The giant initially evades capture because Dean disguises yeah. him as a piece of his metal art, which that's also so a good. fun it's, scene. It's brilliant. It's like a really good plan. It's just like, yeah. oh, that's how he had the picture of the giant was because he was some metal art. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Right, exactly. They're like, oh. Um, all the evidence all right, Mansley, you idiot. was just like, oh, no, it's just a piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, this is also where Dean and the mom kind of meet for the first time and like talk, and you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hogarth and the giant play around, but when Hogarth points his toy gun at the giant, the giant goes into weapon mode. He just like his scanner like mm-hmm. sees a gun and he just defaults, red eyes, turns mm-hmm. into a big like weapon thing and shoots at Hogarth. Hogarth doesn't notice at first, then it happens the second time. Dean is very scared by this whole thing, obviously, so he orders the giant away because he almost hurt Hogarth. And the giant's like very upset and didn't like mean to do it and that sort of thing, and it's very sad, but mm-hmm. like Dean like was understandably scared, but then he like sees the toy gun and is like, 
oh, the giant's actually just acting in self-defense. So Hargoth goes after the giant, and Dean's not far behind. But this is this is the moment where you like actually start to wonder, like, oh, well, the army might have an actual like reason to take up the the giant, other than like he's there. Like he is right. dangerous. He is a weapon. Yeah. But something's yeah, he, happened to him that's like disarmed him permanently. Well, right. not permanently. Not permanently. Put him on de- defensive so, mode. Yes. So the giant saves two boys from falling off a roof in town. Mansley turns around as the military is driving away, and he sees the giant and forces them to go back. Hogarth meets up with the giant. The military starts shooting at the giant. So uh, the giant picks up Hogarth, and they fly away. He discovers he can fly. Um, the military finds them again and shoots the giant. It causes him to fall and drop Hogarth. Hogarth is knocked unconscious. The giant, remembering the deer from earlier, thinks Hogarth is dead. He doesn't get the difference between dead and unconscious. So he goes into weapon mode and starts attacking. And he has some cool-ass weapons, yeah. TB. This is like when he's, he's a cool-ass weapon. totally yeah. released. Like he had like had like a robot concussion where he had like a dent in his head. And so that's gone yeah. now, and he like totally has access to all his arsenal of weapons, and uh, right. yeah, it's it's really cool to look at. I love the animation of the giant, like yeah, well because he's CGI yeah. and everything, or he's like light CGI yeah. and everything else is hand drawn, mm-hmm. which is a really cool. That, and it seemed like some of the cars might have also been light CG as well. Like it's, it's yeah, things, they they were probably doing elements yeah, like of it, te- yeah. tech things were all like light CG, which is like a really it's animated so interestingly because it's just it's like in between two eras of animation you kind of touched on it in the, in the monologue that like right. we're getting these two styles together yeah right well they had also introduced the idea of this in Beauty and the Beast they use yeah. some CGI animation in that to and mix it with 2D and they do it a little bit in Lion King it's a little bit in they Tarzan start, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tarzan does have it. Like, so they they keep dropping it a little bit more this in here and there. Era of like late '90s, early 2000s. I feel like it was like becoming more noticeable. I guess. Like mm-hmm. we also get like the movies like Treasure Planet and uh, Atlantis that like you definitely see more like 3D CG imagery in those movies. Yeah, I don't remember those movies very well, mm-hmm. but I will be rewatching them soon. So yeah, I'll pay attention. Yeah, to that. I, I I have a vague memory of you being right. I just can't yeah. recall the those the pirate ship in Treasure Planet. I remember had this like distinct look to it, and there was like the little sidekick guy that looked like Flubber that kind of looked. Oh little, yeah, little yeah. I mean, it's it was like the era where they realized that they like could use CGI, but yeah, it hadn't exactly. quite like figured out the limits or how to blend it in right. So it was it was a lot of experimenting, and some of it worked. This movie well, definitely but works. And then, this, oh, this movie yeah. does, yes. Yeah. It definitely works. But a year later, Disney's Dinosaur comes out, which is <laughs> like primarily oh CGI. Holy shit, did that one not I work? I remember well, liking it, but I haven't seen it since the year 2000. It looks like trash Does cans. it? I remember it looking great back then, but... I it looks like trash cans. I haven't rewatched it recently, but I I've seen pictures uh, of it. Like, Google Disney's Dinosaur right now okay. and look I'm at it, it and... But oh like, my God. Pixar so at this bad. point had made three movies, all of which look great. Three? Two Toy Stories and A Bug's Life. Yes, three movies, yeah. Um, so like clearly computer-generated animation can work. It's just you have right. to have the right program and the right directors and 
the right like technology to actually make it work. Yeah, uh, dinosaur don't look great. Yeah, it Does doesn't look, look great. great. I'm looking at it now. It it looks better than I remember, uh-huh. but I'm also not seeing it in motion. <laughs> I think in motion it probably right. looks real bad. There was um, a ride at Disney anyway. World when I went there that was dinosaur, and it ruled. My dog is it's, barking. It's still dinosaur. I went two years ago. It's still, oh, it's still, dis- or it's still dinosaur, oh, and I don't really understand why. I remember there was like a, a big why. dinosaur that chased you toward the end, and it really scared me. I, I think they just thought that movie was going to be bigger than it is, and so they started work on the ride, well, and now they're just like, well, they've fuck. still got well, they a wa- water world attraction at Universal Park. So, like, that's a good point. Who, yeah. who knows why they do things? Well, yeah. because of the water world attraction is actually pretty cool. Oh, it just water the dinosaur stunts. rides pretty cool. But too. they could make it um, like the Mummy stunt show instead, or I don't know. The Mummy is a bad example because that just well, the Mummy too. already has a ride that rules. It has a ride that rules. Yeah, yeah, it does. What they should do, and I've been yelling about this for probably a year, is Universal give all the Marvel shit back to Disney. Like, give up, just give the Marvel theme mm-hmm. park rights back to Disney. Buy the Warner Brothers theme park rights away from Six Flags who ain't doing shit with yeah. them and just have DC stuff in your Universal Parks now and Waterworld becomes an Aquaman stunt show. They already <laughs> have the water things. Like, it's it's not hard. That would be terrible. Yeah. So anyway, um, the, um, the general's about to order a nuclear attack on the robot, but Dean and Hogarth's mother... Not not Dean and Hogarth don't have the same mother. Dean, <laughs> that would be weird. Also, Ho- Hogarth's mother, um, have arrived along with a revived Hogarth, and they explain that the giant is only acting in defense. Mansley is paranoid and acts impulsively and snatches the walkie-talkie away and orders the launch, dooming the town. Which like, which like, this was oh my this god, this was another beat that like. I was surprised was in the movie. So like earlier in the movie, there was like the, the classroom scene where they had like the, Hey, in case of, in case of a nuclear weapon, just duck under your desk. Uh, Can I also point out that in that scene, I love it. I love in movies where it's animated and they're watching something animated, uh-huh. but it's a different, it's, style. A different it's just a level of detail yeah. that I, no, I it love rules anyway. a lot. And, uh, but that, that sequence is awesome. It, lo- it looks awesome, but yeah, like, they're just having like a casual conversation while this like, hey, we're probably gonna die from a nuclear bomb video is just playing in the background. Well, that's how the fifties were. Yeah, though. I read yeah, yeah. a book uh, from Stephen King where he talked about like that's why he loves those movies of the era because it just was we they thought they were gonna get blown up yeah. all the time. No, it, it rules a lot. And then yeah, but then like this scene, it's just way more just like dread than I expected. Like, an entire town is about to be obliterated because of this guy, like, scared of a robot. Because I didn't really remember this movie that much. I didn't expect that much dread in this movie. I think I think what else is, like, just, like, that sequence of him, like, ordering the, the bomb and then, like, the general is, like, you realize that it's going to hit the robot where he is uh-huh. and he is where we are. Yeah. So we're right. all going to die. And then he was like, well, we can just, like, get under a table or something. Uh, and the general's like, I know that's what we've been telling right. everybody, but that doesn't do anything. We've been right. lying to everyone to yeah. give them false right. hope, he says. And, uh, uh, and and then Mansley, like, you can just see it on his face. Like, he gets it. Uh-huh. And he tries I to think, escape, think, but they don't let him. I think Brad Bird has some of the best animated reaction shots. 
Yes. Well, oh, Incredibles mm-hmm. 2, Violet seeing the waiter is uh, one of the best ever. Yeah. And in and, and this, it's like, it's the shot where Mansley realizes what's going on. It's the shot where, like, uh, Dean can't handle the squirrel in his pants anymore. That, uh, yeah. It's just, like, great. just the perfect freak out. Yeah. And I, like, as a kid, I always, like, why do you do that? Why do you do that? And I, I understand it more as an adult of, like, the the Mansley character is so realized and so like is like I don't want to be proven wrong ever mm-hmm. and that's what it is it, it's he's paranoid and acting out of like oh I have to be a hero like he he has savior syndrome yeah. and like yeah it makes a bunch more and sense like as an adult his, to me why he acts like he does his journey all along has been like constantly being right that there's a giant. And being made to look like an idiot for, for like, like really, yeah, throws yeah, him. So off. it's just like he's desperate to be like the guy who makes the right call for once in this mm-hmm. story. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is that like not only do they portray Mansley as like like the not the military industrial complex, but like really like the military in the Cold War, where it was like we have to bomb them before they bomb us basically right but the rest of the military is is a little bit more understanding of the fact that like we will die if we bomb him Uh, they Uh, thought that the mutually assured destruction they thought the giant might be like russian or like they didn't know where it came from like they were and that's that's never made clear Mm -hmm. right so when the giant sees Hogarth is actually alive, and then Hogarth explains to him that everyone is going to die. The giant decides to intercept the missile and be the hero instead of the gun. Hogarth tells the giant that he loves him before he goes. I am sobbing right yeah, here. Yeah, that rules. That, that is such a good moment that I don't think necessarily would have been put in by a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Like for the little boy to tell the robot, like, I love you is like, it's very simple, but I feel like in a lot of other places it would have been like a huge speech or it would have been like more specific, but it's like yeah. you don't need anything more than that. But like it, that's enough. It's also like it's a a childish thing to do in that it is like just openly emotional. Yes. Of like here is my feelings for you. Whereas like I feel like if it was an adult, they'd be like see ya. Go get a tiger. You 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 infer the meaning there, but like a a kid is just gonna be like, "I love you," and and then that's it. Mm -hmm. God, it's so good. Um, the the giant's last words as he like picks up, Mm. like he intercepts the rocket, Iron Man style, um, is Superman, which makes me sob. Like he has decided, like he is being the hero. Mm -hmm. He does the Superman pose. He intercepts the missile. Yeah, we haven't even had a good Superman movie in a long time, and like it still (laughs) is like emotionally resonates. This might be the best Superman movie of the past like thirty years. The Iron Giant. It it doesn't matter that it's Superman. I don't know. It just matters that he learns like He learns about self sacrifice and he learns what it is to be a hero. And 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 like like Hogarth tells him like earlier in the movie, like you are who you choose to be. And in that moment he's choosing to be Superman. Yeah, I think like that's amazing. Probably just minutes before 
he was starting to, his eyes are starting to go red and he just said like, yeah. no, and like shook it off. Like he's like choosing to not be that anymore throughout and this whole sequence. Like, Climax. I'm about to start crying Superman. right now. Quote, anyway. Sorry, I, I'm not going to look at you. Uh, the quote <laughs> me and Chad said at the beginning of this is like, I am not a gun, like is true of me and Chad. We are not guns. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the That's Iron Giant is kind of a gun. Yeah. Like, but he, but but he, he has, he is. Choose he, to like, not be. He, he was designed to be a gun, but he had the free will to be Superman instead. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to get even more sad? I'm, Do I mean, you guys? It's, sure. <laughs> Do you guys know why Brad Bird wrote this movie? His uh, sister was shot and killed. She was a victim of gun violence. I believe it was from a significant other, but geez. I'm not going to quote that exactly. I don't remember exactly. But uh, his sister was a victim of gun violence several years before. And this movie is him grappling with that and grappling with the idea of like what happens if a gun doesn't want to be a gun. Yeah. Like why? Like, evil people like are actually i mean that gets a bit like is he is brad bird saying like guns don't kill people people kill people and i don't think he is but i think he's just using his personal experience as a reckoning and like a way of like i think we i I mean we are who we decide to be if we're weapons and violent people then that's going to hurt people but if we choose to be good everyone can choose to be good yeah it's it's just him kind of reckoning with that and like i've always found that so interesting and so sad and like he made a beautiful movie out of it because it comes from a lot of this movie i think is very personal to brad bird the 50s setting all of that like i think it's very much and he which i think is great this so this is based on a book called the iron man uh, yes. That is set in the 60s. It's set in Britain. Uh, and it ends with uh, the big iron dude fighting a space dragon. Um, so, like, he, he, cl- I think he kept the message, on, like, the anti war message of the movie and, like, a lot of the Cold War, like, vibes of the movie. But he, like, the book, bro- you mean? Yes, of the book. Um, but he brought it to America and he put it in like fifties Maine because I think that was like, I don't know if he's from Maine, but it was like, it was more personal to him and it was like his time period, uh, and his message as well. It's very good. Um, I didn't know it was a book. I didn't know. I didn't know it was a book and I didn't know it was that wildly different of a book. Yeah. I, I've never read the book, but the one thing I know about it is it's not the same at all. Um, so the giant seemingly dies and Cody's sobbing. Mm-hmm. Um, months later, there's a monument to the giant in the town square. Dean and Hogarth's mom are an item. Hogarth has friends. Um, late one night in Hogarth's room, a screw from the iron giant. That was um, given which, to him by Mansley. Yes. Um, he, he, he keeps it in remembrance of the giant starts knocking against the window. Hogarth opens the window and we follow the screw as it arrives mm. in an icy location where the giant is putting himself back together. So the giant survives and the movie just ends there. We don't need anything else, but then there's a post credit scene and it's 2039 and they're in the stacks of Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> and the giant fights some battle toads and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
I didn't see I where wasn't you were going mad. for a second there, but yeah, yeah. got it. I, got it, got I, it, got I wasn't it. that mad that Ready Player One used Iron Giant when I was watching Ready Player One, but as soon as this watch was over and I finished the movie, I He's was like... He's a gun in the movie, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's just I, a gun. I kind of was like, well, they missed the, they missed the point, huh? <laughs> you say they. Did Steven Spielberg miss the point? Yeah, I mean, I I can admit, like he did not do the best <laughs> with that. Movie. Or I think that. Or did nerds miss the point, and Steven Spielberg was showing that nerds missed the point. Oh, uh, that is a that is that is the read of that movie that I truly do have. We talked mm-hmm. about it. Like that is the read. I think he is like pointing out things more than it seems he is and that is representative of oh we forget the message of movies sometimes and we just remember their iconography and so we remember the iron giant we're like fuck yeah the iron giant i want to yeah, fight in that him. dude kicks ass like i mean it's kind of literally what super smash uh, brothers is, is like we take it out of context and it's like oh yoshi's gonna curb stomp you know <laughs> like samus um but I, yeah i don't think that's the read steven spielberg has of his movie because he never says that's bad yeah i don't know there, there's it, just a few things in there where i'm like maybe he is i don't know it, that's giving that movie I, the benefit I, of the i would doubt. need that to watch it again and i don't want to watch it again so no nah, i'm good anyway Guys, Iron that Giant, movie was a whole year ago it w- wasn't though. It was ten months ago. It, it feels like a decade ago. What What's crazy is Paddington Two was a year ago. Yeah. Which is crazy that like by this time I had already like seen a good movie and I keep looking at like the movie <laughs> list for January and I'm like, Dude, I don't it's know. Gonna be, it's gonna be a while. It's gonna be Escape Room or um. I, I'm not even going Dude. to the theaters this weekend, guys. Well, like that's how little there is. Doesn't look bad. It doesn't. It doesn't look fine. bad, but I'm like, I gotta catch up on stuff, so I'm not. Like, Glass is the first going. one I'm looking forward to. That's the 18th. Which one? I'm kind of looking forward to Glass, but I also kind of think there's a high chance it's bad. Oh, there's, there's a high chance it's bad. about the most recent. But it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, so it's going to be fascinating no matter what it is. No, I agree. There's just something about one of the latest trailers where I'm like, huh, maybe this isn't going to be good. I don't I, know. We'll, I definitely we'll thought I wasn't going to like split that much when I was just seeing the trailers. And that was before I even knew it was in this series. Um, right. Yeah. Split was good. Split was pretty good. Uh, it took Mark fucking, you know, a year and a half to like catch up on that. Well, movie, but. Uh, I hadn't seen Unbreakable until like a year after Split came out. Yeah. Well, you're gonna see glass. Yeah, I'll when see it, it in the out, though, right? Okay. Anyway, Iron Giant. It's a masterpiece. I love it. Yeah. Um, gonna... I th- I think like we kind of, you know, I have some discussion questions that I jot down to myself. Um, but I think all? we've yeah. cut like talked about all of them, other than. So what about this movie? Like I love it. And I love that it's animated, but why why does it work better as animated than live action? Like, why was this movie made as an animated movie and not live action? I mean, I, mean, I haven't. I'm interested in your answer as like an animation fan. Mm-hmm. My answer is, it can't be live action in 1990 because you can't have yeah. a giant iron person. That's no, I think that's exactly uh, yeah. it. I I think this. 
So there's a lot of live action remakes happening and people are mad about it, whatever, whatever. I truly don't care. I think some of them will be good. Some of them will be bad. Kind of like all movies. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Iron Giant's weirdly one that I think could transition I, to live action. I fun. haven't even thought about a live action Iron Giant movie, but I wouldn't be mad about it, honestly. Because, like, I, I mean, we know I, that the concept works in live action with E.T., with Clover, or not Cloverfield, yes. with uh, Super 8. Um, like, it... Also, Bumblebee, a little bit, honestly. Yeah, there you go. Is it, kind of Iron it works. Giant. So, like, we, I wouldn't be mad about it. It'd be fine. I'd like to see that design in the real world. But in 1999, uh, it absolutely had to be this. And it yes, like, I think, well, looks I think awesome. that's why. And I also think this is so much Brad Bird's story. And what Brad mm-hmm. Bird was doing at the time was animation. Yep. Yeah. Like, I think that is more the reason than anything else. Um, I, I, I don't think they're like Spider-Verse. I kind of don't want to see a live action Spider-Verse, right? There's something about that movie that is so inherently animation to me. And I think should stay animation because they're blending different art styles, that sort of thing. Mm. I Iron think Giant, I think could be live action, but I don't, I'm fine. I am fine with this perfect movie the way it is. I just think it's possible. Back to Spider-Verse. I think that they could have included a live-action Spider-Man, and that would have been the most interesting movie ever made. Yeah, if, um, if just one of them was Tobey Maguire, like... Just Andrew yeah. Garfield's there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I also think that something that's on Iron Giant's side is that, like, it's told from the point of view... Uh, it's told f- from the point of view of this kid. And yeah. the, the anim... Like, so it's very, like kind of naive i mean it is very like dark and it's very serious but it's Mm -hmm. told from a very naive point of view and it's a very like simple old school animation style that kind of fits with that like innocence and 50s sensibility and i think like animation even now you can do a lot more than you can do in live action and i think some things are just better suited for animation I've never met, like, I love animated movies, but I don't, a lot of them could be translated to live action, but then sometimes they can't. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's whatever the director wants it to be, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a movie where I'm like, that definitely could not ever be live action. Um, I mean, I would have said Lion King before I saw the animation. And I'm like, oh, I guess it can be. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, because anything with humans, I'm like, well, that definitely could be. Like Atlantis, sure. Hercules, sure. Aladdin, mm-hmm. sure. You know, but I don't know. That new um, movie. I would have uh, said Little Mermaid was impossible until I saw Aquaman and they're under the water all the goddamn time. The, so. the, the, I just saw a trailer for it for Mary Poppins. Ugly Dolls. I don't think that that could be live action. Okay, fair. Emoji movie couldn't be live action. I don't think Lego that movie couldn't yeah. be live action. Marwin, well, <laughs> well, Welcome to Marwin couldn't be completely live action. Uh, there are right, dolls. because that's the uh, idea, yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. Welcome to Marwin. Um, are we going to see also, that movie? Also, Welcome to Marwin not... shouldn't be whatever it is now. No, it looks... Uh, it just shouldn't I'm be. I'm probably going to see it this weekend. <laughs> it simply should not be. Mark, you were not going to make me watch that movie. Oh, hey, no one won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I, um, I'm I'm going to, right? Yeah, I I think I just decided like I love going to the Megaplex, but I think I decided like this weekend 
I got to catch up on some mm-hmm. shit. So I'm just like not going to go force myself to watch a movie that I don't want to see. That being said, going to go see Upside Down next. It's not called Upside Down, is it? The Upside, which no. is that Brian Cranston, uh, Kevin Hart I thought we didn't like uh, Kevin Hart anymore. I don't love him, but that's the first movie where I'm like, I could sit through that, I guess. Um, it seems like Kevin I, Hart's Oscar play. Yeah. After the contention for Oscar really happens. Yeah. Also, it looks after like he, he is banned from the Oscars. Right. It looks like he, like he definitely accepted that role as his Oscar play. And then the test screening of the movie came back and they were like, ah, we'll delay till January. I don't know. I just can't not go to the movies two weekends in a row. I can skip one weekend. I can't be any longer. I skipped last anyway. weekend. Yeah. I saw things on Friday and then did my trip. Anyway, Iron Giant. It's so good. Yeah. It's probably um, my pick for the best movie of 1999 so far. It is definitely my pick for best movie of 1999. What about you, Mark? I mean, by default, it is mine as well. I, I do really like this movie. Same. I think the rest of this series is going to be rough for Cody. Um, not because you guys are picking bad movies, but like it, if, if there's ever a discussion of like, well, this might be better than uh, Iron Giant. I'm just going to explode. Um, 1999 is a very good year for movies. I realized last is. night as I was watching Being John Malkovich. It is. And you can't change your pick. Now, I can't. Mark. Um, it is an incredible year for movies indeed. And we will be talking about some of those other movies, um, coming soon in our other episodes. But to remind everybody, we are not talking about the Razzie, um, because we had such a miserable experience with the last one. And also because the best picture winner this year, we have to talk about Kevin Spacey. So we can't do two shitty things in a row. Um, can I be frank with you? Um, Uh, that's it for our episode. Let me be frank. Oh yeah, God! Let's like, why the fuck does that exist? Anyway, because he's a sociopath. Uh, because <laughs> he is a that's truly an insane yeah. person's decision. Like it's baffling. Um, plug y'all shit. Oh Chad, yeah, you can, can find, find me you? on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Chad A Oliver. Um, that that's that's all. That's all, folks. Um, Mark. Yeah, you can find me on all of those places at Watlington Mark. You can also follow the uh, the podcast at We Pick Picks on all of those places. Yep. Um, and you can follow me at Cody Lunsford underscore on Twitter and Instagram and at Cody Lunsford on Letterboxd. You can find our best picky picks uh, list on my Letterboxd um, where you can see the movies we recommend for 2018 and coming soon 2019. We'll see how long it takes for us to put a movie on that list. Um, um, I think there are some 2018 movies on my 2018 list that could be transferred to 2019. Okay, you'll have to let me know about those, yeah. my boy. Um, yep, that's it, I think. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I need I to plug. It, um, hey, listen to our sister podcast, Purely Nostalgia. Um, yeah, and f- go see movies. I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'd like you know how to, 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 hmm? to say, <laughs> speak up for the little guy. And say, yeah, support yeah. movies. Support movies. Well, so you know people are like movie theaters are dying. I just read something where it was like the best attended theater going in like a, a long time. Well, it's because uh, of movie pass A-list. and AMC A-list. 
Yeah, it's made it like affordable to go to the movies. Like it's fun to anyway, shoot on Movie Pass, but they did like force AMC's hand to like change my life for the better. So yeah, yes, thanks. Absolutely. As, as bad as Movie Pass ended up being, I will not stand for the erasure of Movie Pass. It, it changed. No, the it way was movie great. Movies it, are. It, it disrupted the industry for a very positive yeah. way. It just God that giant fell. Yeah, it was bad. It disrupted um, me as well. <laughs> yeah, it started sucking ass. Um, also, at the time of this recording, there is no um, Oscar host, which means they they legally can't stop us from saying, "Hey, we could be the Oscar yeah, host." It might be uh, us. We there's a chance. There's still plenty of time. They are going through a very long list. Everyone is saying no. They may get to us eventually. Uh, um, I think that's Pikachu, good. Yeah, guys, and we'll be good. Yep. I, I I have forgotten how to end the episode because we have taken too long of a break. But I think we end it by me asking hey. Mark what's the best movie of 1999. I was gonna ask Chad. It's uh, the Iron Giant. Well, now Wait, you Chad, ask you gonna, Chad. Gonna ask me? Hey, let me. Hey, Chad. What's the <laughs> best movie of 1999? Uh, so far, the Iron Giant. Cody, what's the best film of 1999? It's Iron Giant and will literally always be Iron Giant (laughs) and no one will sway me. Um, Thanks everybody for listening and remember if we don't stick up for the kooks, who will? Next episode on Best Pictures, we will be watching Magnolia. It's my pick for the best movie of 1999. Uh, You can rent it on Amazon and iTunes. Also, it is over three hours long, so expect a Cody's Cut section that is longer than the entire episode. (laughs)